The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Even if by some miracle you can completely shut yourself off from these digital platforms, and I do know people who do it, you're still affected by the consequences of these platforms. They're still poisoning the wider world around you, and that comes back to you in your life. So telling people the solution is just to delete some apps from their phone is a little bit like telling them, hey, there's a giant factory polluting the air you breathe and the water you drink, so just buy a bottle of water and try not to worry about it. Howdy, everyone. It's Thursday, and it's a new episode of The Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnett. Do you ever feel like your brain is turning into mush from staring at a screen all day? Me too, friend. And if you're like me, some of the primary culprits are Instagram and YouTube, with Facebook and TikTok close behind. In The Chaos Machine, the inside story of how social media rewired our minds and our world, Max Fisher, an international reporter and columnist at The New York Times, offers an authoritative and devastating account of the impacts of those fun little apps. Max contributed to a series about social media that was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in 2019. And in his book, he tracks the high-stakes inside story of how big tech's race to drive engagement and profits at all costs has fractured the world. Here he is to share some of his big ideas. When you open up social media, you think that you're seeing the views and the sentiments, the political opinions of your community, whether that's friends and family or the people who you just like to follow online. And you think it's the world being reflected through the platforms. But what you're seeing is a lie. It's a lie that the platform tells you in order to manipulate you. What you're actually seeing are the choices made by the platform's artificial intelligence systems, which have combed through huge amounts of online content, more than you could take in yourself, and then selected from that a tiny proportion of all those posts and images and videos to show you, and it has ordered and sequenced them in a way that those systems have learned will be maximally effective at keeping you engaged for as long as possible. The social platforms design those systems, for which they employ thousands of engineers, including some of the world's top names in artificial intelligence, to deliberately turn your own greatest cognitive and emotional weaknesses against you. Companies draw, and this used to be openly discussed in Silicon Valley before they learned to hide it, from some of the largest pools of private user data ever assembled, including by individually tracking every user, yes, including you, if you are on the internet, they're tracking you, to learn precisely what will best manipulate you. Also draw on some of the darkest corners of human psychology, everything from the science of addiction behind casinos, whose influence you can see in the slot machine-like colors and sounds of social platforms, to the science of how we identify truth or separate right from wrong, And they do all this to understand precisely how to manipulate the human mind, turning it against even your own free will. Those insights are constantly developed, iterated on by these vastly sophisticated AIs that work every second of every day to deconstruct our deepest impulses and frailties so that it can turn them against us. Social platforms want to keep us scrolling, tapping for as long as possible so they can show us more of the ads that make them their billions of dollars in revenue every year, and they are enormously effective at this. In 2014, according to Census Bureau data, for the first time, the average American spent more time socializing on social media platforms like Facebook than they did socializing in person. 
Metcalf has widened every year since. This is now the predominant way we consume news and information, learn about our world, relate to one another. The platforms leverage its hold on these crucial elements of the human experience to influence users even further. Because social platforms learned to do much more than just addict you so that you'll keep passively scrolling. They learn to train you into certain behaviors, to feel and act specific ways so that you will post back on the platforms in ways that will make both you and the users you interact with likelier to spend more time online. And in training you, the platforms change who you are. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's an experiment I read about in the book where researchers got together a bunch of research subjects and before the experiment, tested all of these subjects on their baseline propensity to outrage. You know, how prone to outrage were they as people? And then they had those subjects post on Twitter. It was actually a fake Twitter platform, so the experimenters could control the experience, but the subjects thought it was real. Half of the subjects were told to send a tweet expressing outrage, whether they wanted to or not. And then the researchers showed those subjects that their tweets expressing outrage had gotten a whole bunch of likes and shares. And this is something we know actually happens online, because we know from lots and lots of other studies and research into the social platforms that every single one of these platforms artificially amplifies the reach of any post with outrage in it. The platforms just know they have learned that outrage performs really well. So if you post something with outrage in it, the platform will blast that post out to lots of people and you get more engagement than usual, more likes and shares. So the researchers showed those fake tweets to the research subjects with all of that engagement on them. And they did this a few times. And very quickly, what happened was that all of the research subjects, even the ones who had been identified as averse to outrage, started to internalize this. They thought they were getting all this positive feedback from the community, all this affirmation and attention for expressing outrage. And really, it was the platform tricking them. And sure enough, those users wanted to post more outrage tweets and each one was more outraged than the last. What really blew my mind about this experiment is that the research subjects became more prone to outrage even when they were online, away from social media, away from the computer or their phone. That training, that faked sense of social reward had been delivered to them so powerfully, such sophisticated system, that it had changed their underlying nature as human beings. And this exact process, this exact training, is happening to all of us. It's happening to all of us every single day, billions of users around the world, and it's more than just outrage being drilled into us. And understanding that was, for me, a first big step in understanding the consequences of social media for our world. This question, what should I do? You know, how do I live in this world where social media is so toxic and so dangerous is a question that I get a lot. And it's a really hard question because what power does an individual really have when these companies, quite literally the largest companies by market capitalization in human history, have so utterly conquered not just our attention individually, but the very modes by which we all engage with one another and with the wider world and understand news and reality itself. And I'd like to tell you that the answer is to just turn it off. Uh, and generally speaking, that is good advice, given that there's a lot of research showing that even just a couple of weeks away from social media will substantially improve your well-being. There's one experiment that I think about a lot uh, from the book in which researchers got a bunch of test subjects to switch off Facebook for four weeks. So just one platform and for what is a pretty brief period of time, given that we all spend something like 10 or 15 years, depending on the person on these platforms. And in the experiment, compared to the control group subjects who stayed on social media, the ones who shut it off 
became a shockingly, I mean, to a, a really shocking degree, happier, less anxious. Uh, and because of the time away from these systems that are designed to hook us with all these negative emotions like outrage and identity conflict, that it in fact boosted their life satisfaction so dramatically that it was equivalent to, and this blows my mind, 25 to 40% of the effect of going to therapy. 25 to 40% for free, just for deleting an app for a few weeks. And the same study found, and this is probably the more important finding, honestly, that the people who shut off social media immediately became, in their political outlooks, dramatically less affected by partisan polarization. Uh, the drop in polarization among these people was equivalent to about half of the total rise in polarization in America from 1996 to 2018, which is to say that turning off Facebook for a few weeks was like rolling back two decades of political toxicity into vision. So, you know, we have to be honest that turning it off is not a good enough answer. Um, and that's because, first of all, you know, as nice as it might sound, as a solution, most of us just don't have that luxury. Uh, social media has been so effective at conquering our worlds that most of us need it to stay engaged, to stay up to date on what's happening, to stay connected to the other people who are on the platforms. Um, and second of all, because even if by some miracle you can completely shut yourself off from these digital platforms, and I do know people who do it, you're still affected by the consequences of these platforms. They're still poisoning the wider world around you, and that comes back to you in your life. So telling people the solution is just to delete some apps from their phone is a little bit like telling them, hey, there's a giant factory polluting the air you breathe and the water you drink, so just buy a bottle of water and try not to worry about it. So I think that there are two things that you as an individual uh, actually can do beyond just trying to spend less time on social media, even if you realistically can't get that time down to zero. First is just to understand and by understanding to see the influence that it has over you in terms of what it shows you, what it saturates you with, the ways that it tries to train you, that it, the platform's preferences and desires and its politics and its emotional sentiments all get imposed on you and smuggled through what looks like your peers and your community. Understand that you start to see it, it becomes easier to separate out the platform's influence of what's actually happening in the world, it becomes easier to separate yourself from that influence and to be aware of how it might be affecting you. Um, and the second is just to be aware of and understand how your own mind works. Just as you understand any piece of, you know, complex and powerful machinery that you had to operate, both because social media's power comes from manipulating and in co-opting that mental machinery, but also because the truth of how your mind works is not what you would necessarily think. Um, some of my biggest takeaways from reporting this book and some of the things that I've heard from readers that most shocked them were not specifically about social media, were rather learning about how we as you know, the human animal, how we learn, how we determine right from wrong, how we differentiate truth or what is convincing or persuasive from what is not. These are all questions that have received really substantial study in the last uh, five or 10 years. And we are, whether we know it or not, in something of an arms race as individuals and societies against the social media companies and understanding this so that we can gird and protect ourselves against it. Thank you, Max. People, I don't know what your social media habits are, but why don't we see what happens if we all dial it back by 10% or 50%? 
or more. If Max is right that getting rid of these apps leads to less political partisanship, maybe it's time to just hit delete. Who knows, it might just give us all more time to appreciate the wonder of the world all around us. And if you could use a little prod in that direction, come back tomorrow when we'll hear from Monica Parker, author of the book, The Power of Wonder, the extraordinary emotion that will change the way you live, learn, and lead. If you'd rather not wait, you can hear five big ideas from that book right now on the Next Big Idea app. Just download it from your app store and let the wonder begin. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.